Hey, it's good to be here. Um, I am wearing a mask so that I can protect you all from my cooties. I've had this head cold that I got from one of the grandbabies, and you know, it's kind of been a bad situation in that it's, it's bad enough where I can't really go do hospital visitations like I had planned, but it's not bad enough where I can justify laying in bed and watching one of the 100 Hallmark Christmas movies that are taped, which my husband keeps saying, do we need this? We need to free up space. Yes, we need that. Um, but it's good to be here today, and I'm you know, thankful, as always, to have the opportunity to um, just... W- be in the word in preparation for this and you know just truthfully that you know that um in especially with this chapter nine of nehemiah just the light of god's truth um you know speaking into uh the places where i've been blind and um so uh, just thankful today as we come together uh to worship to look at the lord's goodness uh to recount his faithfulness and to allow him to speak into our lives. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Gracious Lord, thank you. Uh, The scripture says, um, Praise the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all the Lord's benefits. God, as we worship you today, as we open our hearts to the light and the truth of your word, help us to remember your faithfulness through the ages and also your faithfulness in every day of our life, every breath that you miraculously give us. All is a good, good gift from a good and compassionate, loving and forgiving Father. Lord, if there's any of us that are struggling with that concept, if there's any of us that just feels like we are um, at a place too far gone, remind us, remind us today of your mercy. Blessed be your name. Amen. So I love uh, Nehemiah 9, and uh, it is the longest prayer in the Bible. You read that, you saw that's the longest prayer in the Bible. Somebody actually, obviously they have too much time on their hand, but they counted the words and in one translation, uh, there's 1,735 words, and I'm sure another translation you could add more. Um, but it is long, and we see that God's people are worshiping a quarter of the day, and they are confessing and reading the word a quarter of the day. And I mean, how is that in our society today? If Tim decided to have a three or four hour sermon, I mean, we'd be like, you know, like, it would just warn me so I could bring my lunch, okay? Uh, you know, but you see this, and um, and it is that's just that, that time in God's Word. And, and they were standing. It looks like they were standing the whole time. I mean, I'm picturing my mind, really? I mean, I whine when I have to do this to... But, so you see this this picture. Um, and, and, and just the willingness to, to, to allow God's light into their heart and to, to worship, to confess to stand in the presence of the Lord. Um, when I was younger, I'm the youngest of four girls, and my father would usually say grace at dinner, and we could always tell, you know, what was going on in his life and, and um, how hungry he was because, you know, sometimes he would say grace, and it's like, really? Do we have to cover everybody we've ever met in the grace? And then other times it's like this, you know, uh, rub-a-dub-dub, thank you, Lord, for this grub, and we'd be eating. And my sisters and I would always look at each other and say, Dad's hungry. (laughs) 
<laughs> but, you know, in, in this Nehemiah, that the, the, the importance of just the willingness to stand in the presence of God's word, as Ezra read, and to allow God to speak into their hearts. Um, you know, when Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, he found not only broken walls, but he found broken lives. And lives that were broken in relationship with the God. And so when the people are gathered together and they hear the red word, and remember, they don't have the Bible's like, you know, let me pick from 27 different translations on my bookshelf. You know, they don't have that. So they're, they're standing in the presence of, of God's word being read. And then they have this epiphany of the gloriousness of God and the realization of their own brokenness. And there wells up within them the desire to repent and to turn from their sin back to the faithfulness of their God. Leonard Ravenhill said this, The self-sufficient does not pray. The self-satisfied will not pray. The self-righteous cannot pray. No one is greater than their prayer life. And we see in this prayer a humility. See, true repentance isn't a self-righteousness. You know, I'm not as bad as those people. I mean, I'm, you know, I know I've done all bad, but I'm not as bad as those people. You know, oh, I can pretty much take care of this myself. You know, I'll just work harder. I'll try harder. But it, in true confession, it is a place of, of seeing the holiness of God, the realization that we're not him, our desperate need for his grace, the acknowledgement of that and the reliance upon it. And it really begins with opening the word of God. And I guess that's what I was thinking this week as I was preparing for this. Just because when I do something like this, it is a little bit more than what my daily devotional. And I was just thinking, you know, how often I shortchange it. You know, I did my devotional, check off. But with this, you know, just felt God speaking in a deeper way. And, you know, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that's what is happening as, as God's word is being read to his people. And they worship. Stand up and praise the Lord your God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 5, blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Verse 6, you alone are the Lord. All these other false gods we have bowed down to, we, we've made them in our image. You know, oh, thank you, God, for providing this gold. Hey, you know what? Let's make a calf. Let's make a golden calf and bow down to it. Can't move, can't breathe, doesn't even know we're here. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. I mean, every breath we breathe is a gift from God. And there's this realization that he is God, and we are not. And we are in desperate need of the living God in our lives. And confronted by who God is and their own unfaithfulness, they are led to a place of confession. I don't know if you've ever um, 
heard the story of the man. He, he's dying. He's on his deathbed. And he calls his wife to his bedside and says, you know, dear, I, I need to confess. I have not, over the years, been as faithful to you as I should have been. My wife looks at him tenderly and says, I know. That's why I poisoned you. You know? <laughs> when we are wronged, we want to get back, right? What we see here is the mighty mercy of God. That he doesn't get back at us, but makes a way for us. And so this morning, we're going to look at some buts. Some buts. Now get your mind out of the gutter because I'm not talking about that kind, okay? But we are going to talk about some serious buts. Um, when our son was about two and a half, um, I took him to the Mommy and Me swim um, lesson. I think it was at uh, San Dimas Swim and Racket. And, you know, you're in the water and you're, you're doing little rhymes and, you know, dances and everything. And after one, he looks at me just appalled. He is and he said, Ooh, ma, 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 you said a bad word. And I'm like, what did I say? Row, row, row your boat. Life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Oh, no, life is but a dream. Okay, I, I kind of got my, I couldn't, sorry. But you get the point. Life is but a dream. Okay, so he's like, Mama, you said a bad word. What we see in these butts that are in Nehemiah 9 is that they are coordinating conjunctions. Not a bad word. Coordinating conjunctions. But what it does is it's really contrasting one idea or behavior with another. Wow, this is what we've done. But you, God. This realization. You know, they're not trying to (laughs) butter God up. I mean, you know, God knows enough. That, that's not what the, the, I think this time in their life, it's the real realization. We have turned, but our God has not. And so let's look at some of these buts. I mean, and this is a historical prayer. You know, they recount, which is, you know, forget not all God's benefits. They recount the, the history uh, you know, from, from creation, you know, to captivity. Uh, they're, they're suffering, that God sent miraculous signs and wonders, that God parted the Red Sea, that he hurled their pursuers into the sea, that he led them with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He gave them light on their journey. He gave them laws by which to live. He gave them the Holy Sabbath and the commandments. When they were hungry, he gave them bread from heaven. And when their lips were so parched, he gave them water from a rock. And he gave them the promised land. They, they are looking historically at the faithfulness of God. And, and I love the one verse in here where it says, And our clothes did not wear out, and our feet did not swell. I mean, we have two pregnant women in this room. And I, I remember my feet are swelling, um, you know, and, or you're, you're wearing tight shoes, and you're like trying to be really pretty, and you get a blister, you know. This is an amazing, I mean, I didn't, why, do you, why even throw that in? There's so many other big things. He parted the Red Sea. Oh, and by the way, my clothes didn't wear out. No, it's not saying that they wore the same outfit for 40, for 40 years, but rather that God provided the means by which to make more clothes. Most likely, you know, they were, they were sheep. They had wool. But that miracle about the feet. 
You know, that's just an aside of, wow, God is something. You know, to even care about that. So they do this historical prayer. They, they remember the benefits of God. They, they go through them. Verse 16, but, but. Our ancestors were arrogant, stiff-necked, and disobedient. And I, I don't think here that this is the victim. Well, my, this is what my mom did, and that was really bad, and that made me do. No, but that realization that there's stuff and roots of sin that need to be broken and pulled up and acknowledged and healed. So they confess that. God was faithful, but we forgot all the good miraculous works of God. We raised up another leader that led us into the pits of slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And it, it says because, and this is the assurance of the goodness of God, not based on us. And so so he, he goes on to say in verse 19, your great com- compassion, in your great compassion, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon us. Because of your great compassion, we can recount the historical blessed acts of this glorious God. So the, the because of God's goodness isn't based on, well, you guys we're doing a marvelous job. <laughs> well, you guys are just worshiping me exactly like I had a planned. No, it's because of God's goodness. Verse 26, but even with all the incredible deeds that showed your goodness, we rebelled, we ignored the truth, we committed not just blasphemy. Hear this. We committed awful Blasphemy. What is one, the unforgivable sin? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's in a sense saying there is no God. It's blasphemy against God. They committed evil blasphemy. Verse 27b, but when they cried out, you heard, and in your great compassion, you delivered. But, in verse 28, <laughs> Again, they did evil in your sight. And when they cried out, you showed them compassion time and time again. Verses 29 and 30. But they were stiff-necked, refused to listen, sinned, yada, yada, yada. Over and over again. Verse 31. But you did not abandon them. Why? Because our God is gracious and merciful. Verse 37, but we are slaves today as a direct result of sin, rebellion, stiff neck, hard hearts. Recurring theme of sin and rebellion. The scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And see, some of us say, wait a minute, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I know, I know there's a need, in, especially a lot of people really need God. But, you know, I'm kind of, you know... Well, sin, I mean, the, the easiest definition of sin is missing the mark. And, and what it's saying when it said all have sinned, it's saying all of us miss the mark. And, and the mark is the holiness of God. And I heard this analogy and I like it because I think it explains it well. So let's say there's a bullseye, okay? And, you know, the bullseye, the dart, you're, you're, you're playing archery and, you know, there's a, 
a bullseye there. And, and let's say the person in front of you has 20 arrows. And they shoot all 20. And 19 of them hit the bullseye on the mark. And one doesn't. They've missed the mark. And then I get up. And I've got 20 arrows. And I shoot all 20 arrows. And one of mine hits the mark. And 19 of them don't. All right, wait, how many does we have? Whatever I had, minus one. Fall. I heard this a long time ago, and I, I did write it down. The point is that we've all missed the mark. And everybody needs the compassion and the mercy of God. And it, there's, it, it is just the grace of God, the mercy of God, that he will show us our brokenness, not to condemn us, but that we might repent and turn back away from our wickedness, and back to the holiness of God. You know, and I, I shared when I spoke, because um, I did Ezra 9, which was also a prayer. Of, there was confession going on there. Um, and I used the story of our dog, who you know would always just get in the garbage when you weren't looking and then be really remorseful. And I, this is not what repentance is and you know there, there's a story maybe you've heard before about a guy um he's really having a lot of trouble sleeping and he writes a letter to the irs and he says you know over the years i have cheated and i have not paid you everything i was supposed to pay and so and i'm having trouble sleeping uh, because of of this and so i am including in this letter five 100 crisp dollar bills. And then he ends the letter by saying, and if I still can't sleep, I'll pay you the rest. <laughs> you know, let me see if I can get at it. No, that's not real confession. You see, confession, and, and we see the, the sackcloth and the ashes, and it's the, it's the showing of the brokenness, the, the, the brokenheartedness over our sin. And this is not in attempt to say you are awful and bad because though they were though we are but our god gives us what we deserve slams us rejects us ignore no but our god gives us mercy and compassion and died on the cross to pay the price for the ugliness of our sin. And, you know, this is not to trot on the grace of God. This, you know, and I use the example of the IRS guy because this is not about, oh, yeah, you know, I can do whatever I want. And then, you know, hopefully I know five minutes before I die because then I can repent. <laughs> and, you know, you know, that's just a game. You, we, we, God's holiness is so beyond our ability to comprehend. We are not to tread on the grace of God. We, we do not wipe our feet on the mat of God's mercy and grace. There is warnings, especially in Hebrews, where it says, be careful that you do not develop a wicked and unbelieving heart that turns from the living God. You know, Romans, we think Romans 1 is, is, is a, just about homosexuality. No, it's not. When he gave them over, it's because they turned from the holy God. And their hearts were so hard 
that instead of worshiping that which is true and holy, they exchanged it for a lie. So this is not about, oh, good, I can feel good about going out. No. And that's where the importance of that consistent walking with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. God meets us with grace and mercy. And you've heard this before, but grace is getting what we don't deserve. The blessing of God that we don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what we do deserve. That Christ took our judgment upon him. This is the heart of the gospel. That we are sinners. And yet a merciful and a gracious God lovingly gave his life in our place. That we would turn back and worship him. And, you know, I really think it's the mercy of God. You know, I think of David and the adultery and the, you know, killing of Bathsheba's husband. And, and then, you know, Nathan speaking to him, the prophet, and going through this whole story. And David's like, oh, that's a bad, terrible guy. Off with his head. My paraphrase. And Nathan says, David, that man is you. I've been found out of my sins. That's a terrible... What? No, it's God's mercy. If, if there is a, a false God that we are blasphemously worshiping, it is God's mercy that he would go to any lengths not to hurt us, but to bring us back. There's a story of a farmer's sheep and pig. They had escaped. There was a, a slat that was weak, and they had gotten through it and bolted and got lost in unfamiliar surroundings. Well, the farmer noticed, and he goes after them. They were actually worth a lot to him. Uh, Both were were prized, uh, this pig and this sheep. And he sets off after them, um, but the animals had wandered far and didn't have a trail, and, you know, day turned to night, and, boy, he just had a couple days, and he was starting to give up. And all of a sudden, uh, the third day, he begins to hear a distant bleating, bleating, the sound of a sheep crying out. So he begins to follow the sound, and it led him toward a bog. And it was there that he found the missing sheep and the missing pig. Both had fallen into a deep ditch. Both had become coated in muck. Both were unable to scramble out. But where the pig had been content to wallow in the mud, the sheep had known to bleat, even pathetically, until the farmer had come to rescue it, to lift it out, and to cleanse it. The farmer wrote this, If you are ever deceived into a sin and overtaken by a weakness, don't lose heart. Go at once to your compassionate Savior. Tell him in the simplest words the story of your fall and the sorrow of your heart. Ask him to wash you at once and to restore your soul. For if a sheep and a pig fall into a ditch, the pig wallows in it, but the sheep bleeds pathetically until she is cleansed by her master. Be the sheep, my friend, and not the pig. You know, we think about the prodigal son and the sin and the coming back. But the truth is, and we see this history in the life of the Israelites, is the prodigal oftentimes goes right back or returns home and spends some time just being so thankful and sorry for the... And then the pool goes back. 
Sometimes, um, when there's been that relapse and the, the sin and the destroyed life, at that moment, heaven and hell contend within you and hell shouts, now you've gone and done it. You stupid piece of garbage. You're a lost, lonely, hopeless cause. You're a pig. That's all you'll ever be. But there is another voice, and it's the voice of heaven. The familiar lilt of Dad's voice echoing down the long hallways of hope, down to the deepest, darkest caverns of your pain. He doesn't accuse. He doesn't berate. He only mouths two simple words of heaven's redemptive love. Come home. Come home. The second time and the third time and the thousand millionth time. He will sprint to meet you down the street, throw his arms around you, kiss you, and command that the fattened calf be barbecued. The father is standing on the porch, his hand shading the sun from his eyes, scanning the horizon for the familiar, familiar image of the one who will remain his precious beloved child. Come home. That's by Chad Bird in a book he wrote called When the Prodigal Son Relapses. There is no evil that the Father's love cannot pardon and cover. There is no sin that is a match for his grace. That's from Tim Keller. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are in that muck, wallowing. And you know what? Honestly, it's kind of fun. Maybe you're in that muck and you're realizing the cost. Maybe you know your heart is hard. Maybe you feel like you have been hitting the bullseye most of the time and feel pretty good about that compared to <laughs> some other people. Oh, I got it. We all need the mercy and the compassion of the Lord. And it starts, as with the Israelites here in Nehemiah, with repentance. Um, some of you know that our, our son and daughter-in-law had a, a foster a son, Blake, he really uh, will always be my first grandchild. They first got him. Looks just like our son. He's blonde and blue-eyed. They got him when he was six months old. They had him for six months, and, and um, the mama was able to get her life together. And we were so thankful, and, and Blake went back to her. And Almost a year went by, and they got a call that he was back in the system. And, and would they take him? And of course, without, and they, they had just bought a new home and, you know, they had taken themselves off the list, but they're, of course, we will always take Blake. And uh, so, uh, you know, then he was about two and a few months, you know, he's in that kind of terrible two time and, you know, and he had been through a lot and, you know, they gently tried to teach him when Blake would throw a tantrum or do something, they would put him in a timeout, you know, just brief, never, never harsh. And then, you know, he would need to say he was sorry. One time they sent us this little video. They didn't actually show us in timeout or anything, I mean, that'd be cruel. But afterwards they were telling us and he did it. So he came out of timeout because he had, you know, done wrong, had been disciplined, and he said he was sorry. And then, you know, two years and two or three months, he says this, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I, w- I wish I could have shown it up here, but, um, you know, it, to, to protect him, they, they don't put pictures and stuff out. But help me, Jesus. I love that. And he's using kind of that tone. Help me. Oh, I think he heard my son say it, and that's why he was mimicking it. But, you know, that's, that's the response that God in his mercy, you know, meets us. And, but he doesn't leave us in that muck because God loves us enough that he enters into it and he will pull us out. Um, you know, not to take, again, um, advantage of that and not to wipe our feet on his glory Uh, but because (laughs) while God is slow to anger he does anger and we have these warnings in scripture do not be like the Israelites 
my 17-year-old niece um, posted this on Instagram yesterday, and it's by Stephen Furick, and um, says this, God is saying to you today, if you want to know who I am, you need to understand I'm the God of the part of you that you don't want anybody to see. I'm not just the God of your success. I'm the God of your struggle. I'm not just the God of your victories. I'm the God of your defeats. And I would actually correct that by saying he is the God who meets us in the midst of our defeats, but does not leave us there. Tim Keller said the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared love. Ladies, I am so thrilled, and I commend you and encourage you that you are women of the word, that you commit this time to study and to seek God in his word. And I hope you know that there is no sin or brokenness or shame that you cannot bring to our loving triune God. There is nothing that you cannot bring to him and honestly pour out your heart. Though we have sinned, but our God is compassionate and merciful. He doesn't just forgive, but he became our forgiveness on the cross. Who is it that condemns? Not Jesus Christ. He died for us. Let's pray together. Lord, you know I needed to hear this. And I'm kind of guessing I need to hear it at about noon today too. And Lord, I just pray that this would sink deep into the very, um, our very bones and in every muscle we have. That you are a good, good God that though we have fallen short of your glory, that we have missed the mark over and over, yet you are a God who forgives and cleanses and makes us new again. I just want to pray against Satan and his lies right now. I pray for anybody that is believing that they are too far gone, that if people only knew, mm, you know, you know, holy, righteous God, you know, but you did not condemn Rather, you became the condemnation so that we could know holiness. Blessed be your name. Amen.